Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 248 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Tuesday, March 27, 2012. On tonight's show... I'm very excited about this, let me tell you. Uh, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, uh, Dr. Glenn Stream, will be uh, with us for the entire hour. Uh, very excited about that. We'll be talking about a lot of uh, good stuff here uh, tonight, and I previewed it on the last night's show, show uh, 247. Uh, so uh, we will just kind of uh, jump into things here. I'll just do my little intro, and then we'll just kind of... Uh, let it fly here. So uh, a lot of topics on the docket here tonight coming up on episode 248 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. And, and I can't start out of the show without continuing to milk this quote <laughs> from Dr. Stream. And uh, here we go. Um, this year, one of my commitments and, and a great interest is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and, and our frontline membership. Uh, on, on Monday, a Twitter handle, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold, uh, at AFPPrez, P-R-E-Z. I already have 29 followers. I feel so proud. Um, I have a long, long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000. Um, and our, uh, our king of family medicine social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has uh, nearly 7,000 uh, members. Social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for a Tuesday night. I am your host. My name is Mike Savella, family physician and social media enthusiast. What is this show about? I tell people this is social media through the eyes of a family physician. I encourage you to check out the website at familymedicinerocks.com. And uh, shout out to all the people following me on Twitter, all 8,000. 686 people. Why? I have no idea, but I very much appreciate that. You can follow me at Dr. Mike Savella, D-R Mike Savella. And also, shout out to all people uh, who like the Facebook page for this show, all 361 people. Thank you so much for that. Today is Tuesday, March 27, 2012. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. And uh, here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, 
It feels like 49 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and kids, you know, tonight this is probably the most important show in the five and a half years of doing this. <laughs> Very excited about this. He's on hold right now, so he's hearing everything that I'm saying. Uh, but uh, Dr. Glenn Stream is uh, um, on hold. Uh, will be coming on in just a few minutes. Of course, he's the uh, president of the American Academy of uh, Family Physicians. And uh, in uh, as last night's show, episode 247, and also today's blog post will give you background on the information that uh, we'll be talking about. We'll be uh, using abbreviations and acronyms like RUC, which stand for the American Medical Association Specialty Society Relative value scale update committee that's why they call it ruck so we'll try to keep the abbreviations and acronyms to a minimum tonight uh but that we have to get right out of the way first uh so very excited about that um we'll not be taking any calls tonight i do have some questions that uh, i have already gotten from friends and colleagues who have emailed me over the past week or so since announcing of this show uh so thank you uh so much for that and uh, a great variety of topics that uh, we'll be talking about uh, this evening. Uh, so uh, I will just go to my break here and uh, bring Dr. Stream on. But first, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host on this network. Thank you so much for that. I've been a, a social media hobbyist since 2005. And if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the hospital and in my office here in beautiful northeastern Ohio, and I'll take my break here. And uh, right after the break, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Glenn Stream, uh, you're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just Google FM Revolution for more details. Also a member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com. Dr. Stream will be here right after this. That's right, Family Medicine's leading voice in social media in my own mind. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Savilla. On the line with us, uh, we are honored to have on this show uh, this evening the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Glenn Stream. Welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, I feel like I'm walking on a rock stage after that uh, Guns N' Roses guitar riff, so thanks. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes, that's right. You people over there, you know, just just uh, you know, they're 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 cheering for over here. So uh, I'm telling them to calm down here a little bit. So, uh, so hi, Ben Glenn. Uh, it's uh, I, I've uh, I, I saw you once walking down the hall uh, in Orlando because uh, there, I think that was right after the Congress of Delegates, and uh, uh, we've never really met in person. So this is very cool for me just to kind of uh, talk with you over the internet. So it's very exciting. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate uh, being here. I think during last night's broadcast, I think you put a little too much pressure on yourself about tonight, but uh, whatever. <laughs> but uh, no, I, uh, I, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to the to the conversation, and uh, I know you're coming to the uh, uh, NCSC ALF meeting uh, coming up next month, and I'm looking forward to a little more time in person to, to visit with you then. Yeah, great, great, great. Um, so uh, let's uh, we'll just kind of dive into things, uh, you know, right off the bat here, and because uh, I know I've gotten a lot of uh, feedback on this, and um, I would imagine the academy has probably gotten some feedback uh, on this as well. And, and we're talking about um, you know the recent decision, you know, by the AEFP board uh, to remain um, in the ruck, and there's some other strategies that that the board um, has. Um, um, approved, I'm, I'm going to be going with it. Well, I do have some questions for it, but I want you to kind of um, just kind of lay the groundwork for me as far as a yeah, little bit of, a, of the process of, of the board's thinking, um, you know, because last summer was very contentious as far as, you know, that letter that was sent from the board and at the state academy meetings and at the national meeting. Um, talk a little bit about about the, the, the process by which the, the, the board made this decision about the RUC. Sure. So what I, what I'll do, Mike, let me go over the timeline a little bit, um, and I'll, I'll be real general about it, just so that then you can drill down into parts that uh, uh, that you know of uh, are of interest from questions that people have raised. But you're very correct at, at last year's uh, uh, Congress of Delegates, and in fact, for the last several years, that there's been a lot of, uh, you know, I don't think uproar is is overstating it from our our member chapters and our membership about their concerns of the impact of how the RUC has conducted its business over the last few years, actually throughout its existence of 20 years, and that impact on valuation and therefore payment for primary care services. And, uh, you know, over the last several years, uh, through our uh, uh, delegation to the RUC, we've uh, uh, tried to work to get to have them change some of their uh, policies and process and structure, and that was without any success, and that's what led up to the uh, June uh, 2011 letter that you described where uh, the Academy laid out five uh, particular areas of request, again, about both the process and the, uh, the, the composition of the RUC itself and how it does its work. Uh, we, uh, I, I think we got a lot of positive feedback in the health policy community about the content of the letter, but also in the very professional way that we as an Academy conducted ourselves in this um, in, in, in this issue, uh, uh, we're very forthright and open about what we were asking for. Uh, we had a lot of support, uh, uh, both in public and private sector, in health policy about uh, the appropriateness of our asks, uh, and we gave the the RUC uh, uh, committee uh, two of their face-to-face -face meetings. They just meet face-to-face -face three times a year. We gave them their their September and their. Uh, January face-to-face -face meetings to process and respond to our requests. And to their to their credit, they invited uh, Board Chair uh, Dr. Roland Gertz uh, to uh, present our requests and explain them in detail and in person. It's, it's relatively unusual for the RUC uh, to allow that sort of uh, an opportunity, but he was given uh, 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 an excellent amount of, of time and opportunity to explain our uh, position that then they uh, process through their administrative process. Uh, parallel to this, and I think important to point out, and, and you did in, in yesterday's uh, sort of uh, groundwork uh, uh, broadcast, talked about at the same time uh, as this June letter was being created, we uh, planned a task force uh, sponsored by the AAFP, but not made up just of AAFP members, I had some of our board members, some of our RUC team, 
uh, uh, staff obviously support, and it was uh, chaired by uh, then board chair Dr. Lori Heim, who just did a fabulous job chairing this this committee. But we also uh, set up this task force in a way uh, that was highlighted some of our requests to the ROC uh, in, in distinction to how they do their business. There was no confidentiality. There was complete transparency about the discussions, and members in this group could talk to whomever about whatever they wanted to. Uh, we did have members uh, from other specialty organizations, uh, particularly the primary care organizations, obviously, uh, but we had uh, observers from uh, from CMS and from the AMA uh, and from uh, Congressman Jim McDermott's office, and I'll, I'll talk about him in a, in a minute. Uh, and then we also had important stakeholders in the, the health care process, um, uh, representatives from business and health plans and patient st stakeholder groups who are, uh, at least in the private insurance industry, the, the eventual purchasers of, of, uh, of most of that health care, and they clearly have a vested stake, uh, and it was one of the requests we had of the RUC in our, in our letter. And it's so probably... In, uh, uh... Uh, it's probably fair to say that, that the task force, the composition of the task force, the creation of that task force probably was in the workings probably for a number of months, if not a year, to, um, I guess, to, to, to model what what the AAFP would like the RUC to do or the way the RUC to look like. Is it, was that kind of one of the, the points of the creation of this task force? Uh, no, that's a great question, Mike, but it really it came about around the same time. Uh, in the discussions last spring by our board, again, and, and I'll come back to this uh, probably a couple of times, but with the, with the ultimate goal and focus being on improving payment to family physicians for primary care services, it was uh, in this uh, spring time frame that really the the concept of the task force uh, uh, was was framed uh, uh, really in parallel to the uh, letter that we sent uh, to the ROC. And the idea of the task force was not uh, and, and remains not to be a permanent uh, uh, ad advisory body about valuation of uh, primary care services, but was intended to jumpstart by, uh, you know, think tank type of suggestion process both for near-term and long-term, how could we improve payment uh, for primary care? Um, and um, and I know we're kind of jumping around all over the place, but um, I, I guess kind of um, finishing this thought on the task force, that the task force itself um, came up with some recommendations um, after their deliberations. Is that correct? That, that's correct. They the, the task force was uh, basically constructed by and report to the board, uh, and so it presented its re uh, recommendations to the board meeting at the same time we were considering uh, this uh, the the RUC uh, decision about to stay or leave. And so that that was our uh, first of uh, first week of March board meeting in Washington D.C. So just a few weeks ago. Okay. Okay. Um, and. Um... You know, I, I, I got a lot of questions, um, you know, from uh, from curious members um, about, you know, c kind of what was the, the thinking behind, um, you know, the board's decision to stay in the RUC. I mean, I, I know that you wrote a, 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 a an essay about this on the AAFP um, website, um, but kind of going back to the very emotional and contentious debate uh, that's been going on for years, um, what what did the board kind of factor in, you know, um, you know, deciding whether to stay in the ruck or to get out of the ruck? 
Sure. Well, I, I, you're exactly right, Mike. There's been a lot of very passionate uh, and, and very knowledgeable and understandable um, uh, uh, pushback about the rock and, and whether our continued participation was in our best interest, and I completely respect uh, that point of view. Uh, so in the uh, in the March board meeting, uh, again, we had both uh, the report from our task force and the response from the the RUC. Uh, and the the RUC letter is public; it's on the AAP website. Um, I, I, people would grade their response differently. Uh, I give them a C minus uh, for meeting our requests. Um, uh, you know, we had five areas of requests. We asked for four additional uh, primary care uh, seats. They put one rotating seat. Uh, we asked uh, for them uh, to have seats for uh, outside representatives like consumers, employers, and health systems, and they passed on that. They did add the seat for geriatrics. We asked them to uh, uh, phase out the rotating subspecialty seats, primarily with the concern that then that, if, if we added more primary care seats and removed the specialty seats, we would affect the balance of voting in that 29-member body, if you just add one or two more primary care seats, the subspecialty dominance in voting is is still there because their voting process is a, a two-thirds majority requirement. And then our last request was for uh, implementing full voting transparency. And, and as Dr. Gertz explained to them at their meeting, our request was that the people sitting around the table would know how one another voted. And, and then it would it would create an openness to that voting process so that if there was any illusion about block voting or bias for uh, uh, subspecialty or against primary care, that that would be transparent to the people sitting around the table. Um, they um, uh, chose not to, to implement that suggestion, and their uh, response as far as transparency was simply that the vote totals would be published uh, without any identification, uh, public identification, of course, about who voted for what, but the vote totals would be published after the resulting Medicare physician fee schedule was published. So not very transparent in, in our perspective. Um, I guess on the line so taking uh, that, is uh, – Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, that's okay. So with that uh, with that letter in response, uh, Barbara Levy, who's a OBGYN and is the current chair of the RUC, she uh, came to our um, uh, to our board meeting and spoke to our board. Uh, and we felt that that was respectful because uh, the the RUC had given uh, uh, Dr. Gertz the opportunity to be heard uh, in person. Um, and she explained, obviously, from her perspective and that of the RUC uh, about what they could and couldn't do and what they felt they could change as far as their composition and and uh, um, and process. And, and, and obviously, we had to simply disagree about whether uh, those responses were adequate or not. But but uh, she, uh, you know, she was able to present her case and the, and the board did uh, uh, to hear her out and uh, and then in our deliberations over two days, uh, uh, Dr. Gertz, our, our current board chair, I think was very, uh, very thoughtful about how he planned the board's work. Uh, we um, uh, we heard uh, Dr. Levy and had some discussion for several hours on one day. Uh, uh, that evening, had some downtime, able to talk amongst ourselves, share thoughts and perspectives, uh, come back and have further debate uh, and make our decision the following day. So that was the process. Um, and, um, um, and, and a a after that, you know, decision was made, I mean, you know, with, uh, 
um, you know, what, what did the board feel that you know the, the, the response would be from from the members? Yeah, um, you know, back to the musical thing we talked about with the Guns and Roses, the uh, the Clash tune "Should I Stay or Should I Go" came up a number of times, uh, and the uh, the quote about "If I stay, there will be trouble; if I go, there will be double," something like that. Um, you know, it's uh, th- there's no right answer in this uh, in this decision. Um, uh, you know, I think that people that are very passionate on one side or the other might might see it as a black and white decision, but this was very much shades of gray for our for our board. And and as we deliberated this, uh, I, I myself and many people around the table described themselves as 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 going back and forth during the discussion, where people would present different points about strengths and weaknesses of a plan that involved staying versus a plan that involved leaving, and. Um, uh, it it, uh, it it went back and forth, um, and so uh, you know, as far as how did we feel at the end, uh, you know, we felt like we had given adequate, uh, uh, you know, a, a deep analysis to what our options were, um, and uh, had uh, deliberated as best as we could on a complex and controversial topic. Um, and and walked out with a decision that was supported by everyone around the table. Um, I guess on the line is the uh, president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, uh, Dr. Glenn Stream, um, and I want to read uh, from an essay that um, that you wrote um, on the AFP website, stating that uh, the title is "We're Changing Our Approach to the Ruck." And uh, near the end of the essay, I'm just going to read. Um, um, from the, uh, from the end of this essay, and it says multiple factors played a role in the uh, decision. Um, number one, uh, important strategic uh, political partnerships outside the rope would have been damaged if we withdrew. Uh, number two, if we withdrew, we would have gone alone. Number three, uh, withdrawing from uh, the AFP from the rope would not delegitimize the RUC, which will continue to fill its farm, uh, family medicine primary care seats while uh, claiming that it has improved its representation for primary care. Uh, the next number, we cannot depend on the current level of support we have now from the administration and CMS. Um, so it seems like that, you know, that, that um, you know, those are factors that I, I really didn't um, kind of in, uh, really think about because, you know, it, 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 if the AFP did leave, you know, those political, strategic political partnerships with some of these other membership organizations or, or, or um, uh, organizations in medicine um, would have, Harm the academy down the road. I, I, I think that's true, and I, I think for some of our board members, Mike, I think that the the bullet points you just read, as far as other strategic impacts of a decision to leave, I think for some people that was the deciding factor in in their vote uh, to stay. Um, you know, this is an area where you know we have just outstanding expertise in our government relations staff in Washington D.C. and our staff that manages our interprofessional relationships with other organizations. And uh, you know, we were very concerned about the impact a decision would have to leave. You know, you were talking about what was the run-up to this past year as far as the task force and the letter to the Rock, and and there has been a lot of uh, behind the scenes effort to try to get support for our position from other medical professional societies that represent primary care physicians, the unfortunate reality is, in fact, the AAFP is the only 
large professional organization that exclusively represents primary care and, and obviously family medicine. So for organizations like the American College of Physicians that represents general internist but also subspecialty internal medicine, they simply politically are not able to stand by our side and say to the RUC, change your composition in your process or we would walk. We, we are not able to build that kind of coalition. So it would be very clear that if we left, we would be straining those relationships and we would be um, on our own as far as that. Now, a lot of people, um, and, and you read a, a, a blog post last night, a lot of people think that that would make a big splash and that it could delegitimize the RUC. But in, in our analysis, we're very skeptical of that. We think that we might get very brief media attention uh, and then with so many other things going on, not just in health policy but in, in, in politics and in the world in general, this would just be a flash-in-the-pan news item, and it would not necessarily have you know, the impact that we uh, would expect it should. Um, and if we, uh, we can just kind of uh, move a little bit from talking about partnerships with uh, organizations to partnerships with, with members. Um, and coming to some of the questions that, that I've been uh, approached with, uh, there's a lot of members who uh, feel that um, the academy um, politically um, and from a legislative advocacy standpoint is a little bit weaker because it seems like uh, last summer there was a big buildup for a potential to leave the RUC, and, and with uh, the, the academy staying, a lot of members are saying, well, um, well um, was that the plan from the beginning, or if that was, then why did why did it why was it seem like we were setting up to leave, and and uh, it seems like that that would put the academy in a weaker position to to lobby or to um, advocate for family physicians based on this uh, Ruck decision. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike, and you did a good job of setting that up last night too. I uh, I can assure you that that our board walked into that March meeting not knowing what the decision was going to be. I personally walked in not knowing what my vote was going to be, uh, and there was no plan last spring that this was a predetermined uh, decision that we would be staying in the ruck. It's just not remotely the truth. Um, and, um, and obviously, I mean, this is going to be a a, 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 a divisive issue, you know, um, um, with, with members feeling very passionate, which, which I very much appreciate, you know, passions on both sides of this issue. Um, uh, how, you know, how is the board going to approach that? Um, and, and I mean, I see that there's been, you know, writings and blog posts on, on the AF website, um, already, um. How is the, the academy going to, you know, make sure that they you know, that they hear the members, you know, whatever side that they're on, and, and to try to, you know, uh, uh, make the members uh, uh, understand the, the difficult process that the board went through and, and this decision that the board has made. Sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, most importantly, uh, you know, Mike, we have to uh, remember we're a membership organization, and um, our our representative governance is that our Congress of Delegates represents our chapters. They elect our board, and our, our board does the work of the Congress between visits, uh, between meetings, rather, of the uh, uh, of the Congress of Delegates. And so we're accountable to them, uh, as we should be. Um, you know, we we talked earlier about uh, you know my interest in in my year as president to, to expand our our communication channels as an academy and. 
I, you know, I'm glad that we're getting response to to blog posts and the uh, president's message and t- Twitter and Facebook, and I, I welcome everyone's response. And I, as I've told people, I, I can't respond to every single post, but I do, in fact, read every single post. And so you're right, we've gotten some uh, some feedback already, and I agree. I think it's great that people have passion. Uh, I would I would point out that there's been some passionate. Uh, uh, pushback that staying in the ruck was uh, the not the right choice, and, and yet other people who who read the president's message uh, and the bullet points that you just uh, uh, laid out and and felt like uh, that that helped them understand uh, the, the strategic nature of the decision to stay in. Um, and I, I I don't pretend to think I can sway the opinion of someone who's passionately uh, opposed to staying in the ruck, but I. Uh, as, as the president and the other board members will have the same responsibility, we need to be able to explain, and this is part of that process right now tonight, you know, the decision we made, uh, how and why we made it. And uh, my, my intention is that by uh, our Congress of Delegates in, in, uh, um, in Philadelphia in October, and I'll put in a shameless plug, I hope that every family physician who's listening <laughs> will plan to be there. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, our members will be heard, and by then, my uh, my hope and certainly my intention, uh, in any way that I have control over, is to to show results from the strategy that's been laid out um, over the next seven months that it has to uh, to to be implemented. Uh, I'll be in Washington D.C. next week um, with members, uh, with uh, our Executive Vice President Dr. Henley and and some of our key staff that are involved in advocacy and government relations, and meeting with members of uh, of CMS uh, uh, relative specifically to physician payment and the recommendations from our task force. Uh, In the timeline we talked about earlier, I didn't have an opportunity to uh, to to, to talk about how, uh, in fact, we have laid the groundwork with with high leadership in CMS to receive these recommendations. They're very interested in receiving them. Uh, uh, CMS had an observer on our AFP task force and so has been, uh, you know, plugged in and, uh, and aware of what the discussions have been. It's simply been waiting for uh, the, the final recommendations to come from our board, and, and that was finalized at that meeting just here recently. Um, now, I mean, this probably happens with, with a lot of, uh, you know, board policy decisions. I mean, uh, you mentioned this is a membership organization. Um, how, how do you respond uh, to, to members uh, who would say not only about this decision but any kind of um, uh, board policy decision, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the academy is not listening to me and, and I'm going to be choosing not to renew my membership uh, because I'm just not feeling like I'm, I'm feeling heard. How? how how how, uh, how do you respond to to a statement like that? Well, you know, I I, I really believe that you you know have to earn that trust by doing what you say you're going to do, and I and I am listening. Uh, you know, in the in the media channels we talked about, um, uh, and uh, I get emails from members, I get phone calls from members, uh, I, I, I see things in social media. Uh, I, I read every single thing that a member posts. So if they if they communicate through a channel that exists uh, that that can reach me, I, I assure you they're heard. That doesn't mean that that in, an individual, a member in an academy of over a hundred thousand, has their vote be the one that breaks the tie on a controversial issue. Uh, and so we, we, you know, we have to recognize that because we're a very large membership organization, that we have uh, this representative structure through our con- Congress of Delegates, which interestingly 
is relatively unusual in, in medical groups, even of our size. Um, I, it, you know, one of the things I do as an AFP president is attend other professional organization meetings, and they often don't have a Congress of Delegates that does, uh, def- decides the policy. They have their board decide the policy for their organization, and I, I think that there's definite uh, advantage in the in the member voice that we I- embrace in our academy. Um, and um, uh, something also I wanted to touch on too is, is, is part of that essay that you wrote uh, is is uh, the, the the new approach that the academy is taking on this issue. Um, kind of trying to go, well, actually going around the ruck and, and presenting uh, issues directly to CMS or to Medicare. Can you talk a little bit about that strategy? Uh, yeah. You know, in the in the past we had really tried to work within the ruck, uh, you know, and, you know, people have described that as a dysfunctional relationship. I, I don't know if that's a good metaphor for it or not, but, it you know, it certainly has not, met the needs uh, of family medicine. I, I think there's no doubt of that. Uh, you know, I, I haven't said it yet, but, you know, the, the the decision to stay in the RUC was not at all that we're satisfied with the RUC's response or that we're pleased with their performance or that we have any illusions about how much they might change in the future. It's simply a strategic decision that to stay in uh, and work from within while we do, just as we're going to talk about now, going around them when necessary, that that sort of parallel uh, uh, synergistic approach is most likely to get us to our goals. And so there's, I don't know how much it's an official agreement uh, or a gentleman's agreement in the RUC, because I, 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 I've never participated directly in the RUC, but there's there's a, a general sense that you don't go around that body directly to CMS. Um, and uh, we have told RUC and the AMA, for that matter, that that's fully our intention. And I, we don't believe that they can fault us for doing that. And the reason is they were very explicit in their discussions with us and in their letter about what's in their purview to fix and what isn't. And in those areas where they can't fix primary care payment, they can't fault us for going directly to another avenue to solve what they acknowledge at least in in our discussions, as our legitimate grievances with the payment system. Um, uh, AMA has official policy for uh, uh, supporting improved payment for uh, for primary care, but in a body like that, uh, when you play a zero-sum game, which is also the game that the RUC has to play, if you increase payment for one group, it takes away from another. Now, that may be very legitimate, obviously, from a family physician perspective, uh, but it creates a political discord in uh, in other entities. Um, so the so strategy the, the rec- now. Yeah, go ahead. That's a, so the strategy now is is to stay within the ruck for those things, uh, and again, not naively thinking that we can con- continue to change them. But the one thing that I can assure you is that they won't change if we aren't there. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we very much want to be an agitator for reform and change within the ruck, fully conscious that it's an uphill battle. Uh, but we're still going to push for those things that were in our June 2011 letter. Those changes that we requested for are still the right things to make the RUC a more effective body. But in parallel to that, we'll take the recommendations from our task force directly to CMS, 
Uh, and and uh, the, the 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 real advantage of that piece of the strategy is it has the impact, uh, the potential impact, uh, uh, to achieve improved payment in a shorter timeline. Uh, the the current. Uh, uh, there's current work going on to develop the 2013 Medicare Physician Payment Schedule. Our input is, will be timely to the development of that. Uh, and uh, there are some specific areas uh, of input that were outlined in the uh, President's message that you were quoting earlier, Mike. But, uh, you know, specifically, we're asking them to create new codes for primary care services that represent the, the intensity and complexity of the work that you and I do every day. Uh, the current 99213, 99214 E&M visits that are the same across specialties do not re reflect in a modern healthcare system the complexity of the care that you and I deliver. And one of the faults in the uh, RUC process is even if they improve payment for those codes, it's diluted by so many other bundlings of codes and other specialties that build that code that the impact on primary care isn't sufficient. So the strategy in going to CMS that does have the capability to create its own codes and value them is that they could be specifically for primary care services uh, with definitions for what uh, uh, comp uh, composes primary care in the sense of uh, first contact care, comprehensiveness, and continuity, those pieces that are so important to the care that you and I give, um, and then value those specifically in a, uh, so that that's not diluted by the other E&M codes built by other specialties. And then the other major piece is for those things that we currently do that take up so much of our day but are not paid for, uh, the non-face-to-face -face things like uh, phone call management, uh, for some people doing uh, email visits or uh, uh, meeting with family members when the patient's not there about complex care management and you can't bill for that if the patient's not there. All of those things need to be paid for until we can get to our, our, our eventual goal, which is a blended payment model that has a, a decreased reliance on fee-for-service, a meaningful care management fee that supports the medical home model for primary care, and, and uh, appropriate amount of pay-for-performance for the care that we give. Um, and, uh, um, and you guys do a, a, a lot of um, advocating and, and um, you know, talking to uh, people in Washington. Um, uh, I see that out all over uh, the AFP website and, and pictures there. And, uh, and, Glenn, you take a good picture there on the Hill, uh, let me tell you. Uh, hey, thanks. <laughs> um, what, what has been uh, the, the response to legislators when you talk to them, particularly about this issue and also about you know, things like the, the patient-centered medical home when you, when you talk to legislators about that concept. Sure. Well, I have to back up and tell you, we have an excellent photographer in D.C., Jim Arvantes is a reporter and photographer, and for every one picture that turns out, there's a hundred that are just really terrible, Mike. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, you know, our, our issues are really well received when we meet with staff and members of Congress. I I think that our our effort, not just by our leadership, but especially by the grassroots efforts of our key contacts and people who attend our Family Medicine Congressional Conference, and I'll put in another shameless plug, uh, uh, May 13th and, uh, and 14th, our Family Medicine Congressional Conference in D.C. involves advocacy training and then Hill visits. You know, that success uh, over the years has really educated people about our issues and has really helped uh, distinguish family physicians and what we're about as far as what's best for patients and our healthcare system from 
the perception of other subspecialties, some of it earned in some specialties, as, as being simply more self-serving about their own interests. I think people generally achieve, uh, perceive our academy as as a thought leader in, in health policy and health system reform, uh, while not sacrificing in any way at all, because they're absolutely synergistic, what are the interests for our primary care physicians? Because without adequate payment for primary care physicians, we won't have enough of them, we won't be able to transform our practices, and we won't attract enough new, uh, uh, you know, family physicians to uh, uh, to our specialty. Um, and I can't talk about lobbying without uh, you know talking about and asking you about uh, Medicare and and the uh, SGR and the sustainable growth rate and and uh, when you guys go up on the hill, you know, and you talk to legislators, oh, you know, what kind of feedback do you get? You know, from them, you know, is this is this something that's you know that that they really want to take care of in, in a long term fashion? Is it something that they just want to you know uh, kick the can down the road or or you know, leave it to another Congress to do? Because you know, sitting here at home at the grassroots, it's it's very frustrating. You know, seeing reading these stories and you know seeing you know, what's really going on behind closed doors. And, and and you guys go up there and and you know and do a lot of uh, lobbying and legislating. What kind of feedback are you getting from uh, from legislators when you talk to them about Medicare SGR? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Mike. They, I think they're as frustrated talking about it as as we are, and I I do think that there's general support for a long term uh, replacement to the SGR with some alternate means of determining physician payment going forward. But it's it's simply a collateral damage of the the really hyper partisanship uh, in in Congress, and I, I I point the finger at both parties equally in that. Um, I think that too often they let those partisan politics get in the way of doing the work that they were elected to do. Uh, and it is hard work, uh, you know, to figure out in our current deficit and budget environment where you're going to erase 300 plus billion dollars in accrued debt and, and avoid having it continue to accrue um, is is just a challenge. But if they don't fix it, I mean, it's just a cancer that keeps growing um, in. Uh, in our healthcare system and in our federal budget, it's just got to be fixed. Um, and I know you guys will be talking about this at the Family Medicine Congressional Conference, May 14 and 15, 2012. Uh, get more, more information on AAFP.org. Uh, so um, that's right. I have- <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I just did my little Google search. Um, uh, are, are you aware of, or is the academy getting feedback from members, especially you know when it when you know these, this SGR comes up again and saying you know I I am not going to be taking Medicare patients as of January first? Is that something that, that that the academy hears about, or or is it just hearsay or rumors? Or I'm just kind of curious about is what the academy hears when that stuff happens. Well, I think that's another area, Mike, where we're really actively listening. Uh, you know, we did a member survey, it was about a year and a half ago at, at, at the time when the, the cut was going to be 25 or 26%, um, and, uh, you know, asking those questions uh, basically so we could use it uh, in our lobbying efforts, you know, what would be the consequences? Because what, what, what Medicare tells Congress currently is that people with Medicare insurance don't have enough trouble having, uh, finding a physician that, that it's a problem. Um, and, and you and I know that's not always true in parts of the country, and particularly for primary care. So the, 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 this was a September 2010 survey, and the number that just sticks in my head is nearly 13% of our members found that 
you know, they had enough of their book of business for their practice that was Medicare that if a 26% cut went in, that their practice would be non-viable and would likely close. And so then it's not just Medicare patients no longer getting care in that clinic. It's it's whoever else gets their care there. And if it's in a small town, it's everybody for whatever region around that town. Um, and and that that number resonates with people when we talk with them. So uh, in in Congress, but we we do hear from our members about how they're struggling with this SGR and. You know, we're, as a professional association, encouraging our, our members to, to transform to the patient-centered medical home model, and we're getting understandable pushback when people say, how can I do that when, at the end of, of 2012, I'm potentially facing a 32% cut in Medicare payment? Uh, and that's, again, the message we give to Congress. You know, they they are increasingly understanding the need for for a very solid Family medicine, primary care foundation to the healthcare system, but they can't do it with that sort of uncertainty. And I, the uh, other thing I would add is, we call on our members often. Uh, in fact, I, I sometimes feel badly about how often we have to call on them to to contact their members of Congress because they, like you said, they kick this can down the road for short periods of time. But I have just been incredibly proud of our members and how they've stepped up when called upon to put pressure. On uh, on their members of Congress to to fix this, and I it's discouraging when you put that effort in and you don't see immediate return. But I this is an incremental process, and I I I I think our members are having an impact. And I'll tell you, other professional organizations have reached out to our academy and said, "How did you get your members to do that?" Because they just have tremendous respect for how our members engage on issues like this. Yeah, what, what, what do you? I mean, I talk to members all the time, and and um, you know, they're saying I'm frustrated, you know, and I, you know, I I, I I try to you know reach out and contact my local you know U.S. Congressperson or or try to get in touch with our, our U.S. Senator or even at the state level at the state house, um, and they're very frustrated. Um, what, what, what do you tell members in saying, hey, you know, I you know, it's a uh, what, what, why should I do this? Uh, it's it's very frustrating to me. I'm not really seeing the results that that, that I'm getting. Um, you know, well, why should I continue to you know to 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 be legislative or try to be legislatively active at a state and federal level? Yeah. You know, on last night's uh, broadcast, Mike, I heard you talk about, you know, the joy you get out of practice, even though it's frustrating sometimes. And I, personally, for me, it's channeling that frustration in, into a positive direction. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing as AFP president. You're, you're right. You don't see the return right away. But I, I'm just not one of those people, and, and I don't think the bulk of our members are, that can just sit there and say, hey, the system sucks and not do anything about it. Um, and so I just tell people they have to – you know they have to go in with a positive frame of mind uh they have to be realistic in how long they think it might take uh to, uh, to achieve their goal and uh take some satisfaction in in fighting the good fight and and realize if they're not there lending that voice for primary care on behalf of patients somebody else is there giving the voice to that member of congress or legislator um that doesn't have the patient or our best interests at heart uh you know our our pack one more shameless plug uh, to support our political action committee. You know, our, our PAC always uses the quote, you know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And uh, there's some real truth to that in the way that politics works. And it's not necessarily right, but it's it's simply uh, uh, it's just simply the way the, the process works. And, and, and I just think we've got some inc- incredibly engaged members that do a great job of, 
of relating the personal story, and this is the key to advocacy, is if you're meeting with a member of Congress or your legislator, you've got to tell them how whatever situation you're talking about is relevant to their, you know, the people in their district, the people that they are beholden to as voters, because that's who they have to care about. Um, on the line with us, we have uh, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, uh, Glenn Stream, and uh, uh, kind of in our uh, closing moments, we have about uh, maybe about uh, 12 minutes left. Um, I wanted to hit on uh, maybe some other topics uh, here. Um, one of the topics here is, is, is um, a blog post that you uh, wrote today on the AFP Leader Voices uh, entitled uh, AFP Taking Watchful Waiting Approach to Supreme Court's Consideration of um, the health reform uh, law, and uh, in this uh, in this essay uh, that you review, that you know that there's some you know there's some concepts that the uh, you know academy you know has always uh, stood for. Uh, one is you know uh, universal access uh, to uh, health care and uh, the patient centered medical home. Um, but I guess from reading this essay, I mean, it's a, even though there's been a lot of news in, in you know, yesterday, today, and tomorrow at, at the Supreme Court. Um, the academy just kind of be you know you know watching and waiting to see what the deliberations are when the decision uh, comes in June. Would, would that be an accurate uh, statement? Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because the court process is just so different than an than a legislative advocacy effort. You know, if it's in your state legislature at Congress, you can do a phone call campaign, you can make visits, you can uh, you know target. Uh, uh, you know, various pieces to, 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 to sway members of Congress or uh, uh, their staff or whatever about uh, your perspective on a particular issue. But there isn't that opportunity uh, in the court. Uh, you know, a lot of this gets played out in the press, and yet I don't know how much that affects the court. I mean, these are, you know, the highest justices in the land. They sit there and they hear the cases and compare the law from their perspective, and um, it's not... Uh, you know, other than filing uh, uh, support briefs for various aspects uh, of the law, and there were, I believe, in this particular case, at least a hundred by different organizations. Uh, uh, otherwise, it is a unavoidably a wait and see. Um, and and the point of today's blog post was not to just um, describe ourselves as, uh, uh, as as spectators, but but simply that this is a. Uh, uh, you know, one more step in the process of reforming our healthcare system, regardless of which path it goes down. And um, you know, my my point in the blog post is whether the Supreme Court upholds or doesn't uphold the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, our our values as an academy and as family physicians don't change. You know, we're about uh, reforming our healthcare system with with strong primary care to, uh, for prevention and wellness. Um, adequately supporting that primary care system with workforce and payment um, and in the patient-centered medical home model. And, and those things don't change no matter what the court decides. Um, I did want to ask you about um, you know, the, the social media angle uh, throughout your, your presence here. I, 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 I told you off the air, and I'll tell you on the air, too, that, that, that I have applauded the Academy's efforts and your efforts uh, to uh, use social media as a mechanism and as a tool of uh, communication. Um, obviously, I feel very passionate about it, um, and I, I think it's been great. How, how has your experience been, you know, using these type of communication tools? I mean, you have a, a Facebook fan page. You, you, you're on a Twitter as AEFP Prez, um, and you're writing blog posts. Um, how's the experience been for you? 
I, I've really enjoyed it, Mike. I, I'd say it's not, you know, unlike you, it's not something I've done for a long time. I, I had a, you know, a, a personal Facebook page before all of this, and uh, oh, for a year, probably beforehand, had a Twitter handle, handle, but wasn't real active with it. Um, but I, I, you know, when I had the opportunity as uh, as a board member and, and now as an officer to go around the country, I, I, you know, I've heard a lot of the comments that you alluded to earlier, which is people feel like they're not heard uh, as far as their opinion, but also lots of times I'll say, uh, someone will ask me, why doesn't the Academy do this or do that? And I'm like, well, we are doing that. But it, the communication about those efforts isn't going out to them. And and so my my efforts around social media uh, was to to let people who are interested have an avenue to know, in fact, what I, as their president, am doing for them. So I've, I've tried to target most of the, the Twitter posts uh, uh, about uh, you know things I'm doing. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm on Capitol Hill talking to somebody, or I'm at a chapter meeting and giving an update, or installing officers, or representing us to other professional associations. Those types of things, so that. Yeah, at least people know what we're doing on behalf uh, of, of of their concerns and and for family doctors. Uh, last week you were at the, uh, the 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 chapter meeting for the Uniform Services of the Academy of uh, Family Physicians, and uh, uh, you shared a story about before you came on the air. But uh, uh, I wanted to share the story about the uh, the Skype uh, swearing in of officers. I think that is very cool. Yeah, it's the first time I've, I've uh, the first time I've used Skype to do an installation. First of all, it was a, a privilege to be at the Uniform Services uh, Academy meeting. Uh, you know, our our whole country's proud of our men and women in uniform, but I told them how proud we were as as their civilian brothers and sisters in family medicine and the in the care that they give to our to our military uh, folks and their families, and and they are very much leaders in things like health information technology and medical home implementation and uh, very much a role model for us. But the incoming uh, uh, president uh, was, uh, is currently deployed in, in Afghanistan. and uh, It was uh, a very early morning in Afghanistan at the lunchtime when we did his installation by Skype, and uh, it was just so fun. Uh, uh, the Skype worked reasonably well. He and I uh, recited the the oath for president, and I installed him, and uh, he was uh, projected on a screen so the whole audience could see, and I could turn the computer so that with the, the webcam he could see all of his friends and colleagues acknowledging him, and uh, it, it was just a great experience, uh, and especially I could tell how uplifting it was for him uh, while he was deployed. That's great. That's a that's a great story. <laughs> would have been would have been awesome just to kind of see that on the screen there. Um, my my final question for you tonight here at Dutch Stream is, uh, you know, when when you talk to medical students, when you talk to medical students about family medicine, about what drew you to family medicine, why you love family medicine, when you talk to medical students about our specialty and why it's so cool, uh, what, what what do you say to medical students? I I I I said it during my uh um, installation speech uh, in uh, in Orlando in September. I I think we have the best job in the world. I just I I think uh, if you share with um students the the you know the joy that you get from being closely involved in in patients care over time be, uh uh, that continuity relationship where you know them and they trust you and uh, you can see the impact you have uh, on their, their health and their life over time. Uh, it just, uh, like I say, it's just the best job in the world. And I 
I, I described to them that the efforts that we're undertaking as an academy, some of which we've talked about tonight as far as our advocacy efforts, I, I truly believe uh, are creating a bright future that they're going to enjoy and practice in. Um, and uh, I, I encourage uh, medical students considering family medicine not to uh, to be swayed by the, the, the temporary disincentives or concerns and and yet to uh to to share the vision we have as an academy of what our future does look like. Uh very very great words. Um uh Dr. Glenn Stream, thank you so much uh, for for being on the show here uh, tonight and and you know you 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 can come back here and talk about whatever you want. I will extend an invitation to anybody at the academy or on the board to come on and and chat about uh, whatever you want to chat about. Uh, do you have any uh, any uh, closing thoughts here? Uh, I can't believe that the hour has gone so quickly. Yeah, it's been a great uh, great conversation, Mike. It has gone quick. Uh, just to back to our main topic, uh, the, the Ruck thing. I just want our members who are passionate on either side to know that there was a, a very thoughtful, deliberative process uh, and, uh, to come to this decision uh, and that we intend to make that strategy effective going forward, again, towards our ultimate goal, which is not whether the ruck lives or dies, but the, our goal as an academy is to improve payment for primary care. Uh, we believe we've laid out the good strategy for that, uh, and we'll be um, hopefully displaying some results of that strategy as soon as our, uh, our October Congress of Delegates in Philadelphia. Uh, and I will see you, sir, at uh, at the uh, Annie Leisure Forum, the National Conference of Special Constituencies, which I can't believe is uh, just a little bit more uh, than a month away. Um, it's going to be uh, a great meeting you in person and picking your brain a little bit. Uh, it's just uh, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity tonight to talk to you on the air here. This is just uh, uh, it's just a thrill for me. Um, I, I very much uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity. It's just just been so so much fun for me. Well, thanks, Mike. I. I I, pre I share your passion about the NCSC ALF meeting next uh, next month. I'm looking forward to that as well, and I'll I'll be picking your brain for some uh, social media tips. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Glenn Stream, uh, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, he is AAFP uh, Prez. He also has a uh, a fan page on uh, Facebook. Uh, thanks so much, Glenn. Thank you, Mike. Have a great night. Okay, thank you. Thanks, everyone. All right, kids. Uh, wow. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we just have uh, a couple minutes left here before I close things up here. I just, uh, I'm just floored about what has happened. <laughs> it's going to take me uh, a little bit to uh, <laughs> process kind of what happened. Uh, but uh, thank you so much uh, for the Academy uh, and for Dr. Stream to, uh, for uh, reaching out uh, to me and to this show and to this blog, really showing the, the, the power of uh, social media. I want to thank all of my friends um, out there who helped to um, get the word out on the show, whether it's retweeting or posting it on your Facebook page or just you know, physically telling people um, about this. Um, I very much appreciate that. I, I'm hoping my wildest and craziest dream um, is to uh, continue to, um, you know, interview um, leaders, um, elected leaders um, uh, of uh, our specialty and also, you know, unelected leaders, uh, you know, people out there who I've had on this show um, in the past. And uh, um, hopefully um, people uh, found this conversation helpful and thoughtful 
and uh, hope my questions uh, were fair uh, and uh, that you got the information that um, you were hoping to get. Um, I encourage you to um, you know, leave comments on my blog, uh, familymedicinerocks.com, uh, and uh, uh, send me all kinds of feedback on this. Um, let me know what I could have done better. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I will be writing some blog posts and follow-up of, uh, of this show here. Um, I encourage people to, to uh, start a dialogue, continue a dialogue, not just on the RUC or you know, other types of abbreviations that you may or may not know about, uh, just whatever you're passionate about. Um, you know, whether it's medicine or, you know, other topics, um, you know, let your voice be heard, you know, and uh, if, if we, you know, especially as family physicians, if we cannot be advocates for ourselves, then who will, you know, nobody. Uh, so, so I, I encourage um, family docs, I challenge family docs to let your voice be heard um, and, and to get out there and, uh, you know, you don't have to start everything yourself, you know, contact me, you know, uh, if you want to write an essay and you want to put it somewhere, you know, contact me, I'll put it on my blog. You know, you don't have to start from scratch. You know, I have done all the hard work for you. Uh, so, uh, so thank you uh, so much. I'm just going to close up the show here uh, tonight. Um, I'm going to go, uh, do my victory lap <laughs> and just be really excited for the next uh, few hours here. So my name is Mike Sabella. Uh, Family Medicine's leading voice in social media in my own mind. Uh, uh, check out the FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Dr. Mike Sabella. And uh, uh, stay tuned uh, because I'm thinking that uh, this blog and this show are just going to get huge in the next few months. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks again to Dr. Glenn Stream for, for uh, uh, coming on the show here uh, this evening. And I will say good night from northeastern ohio have a great week everybody we'll see you later with lucky land plus you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.